This is Beyond the Bin. I'm Abby Marsh. And I'm Shabazz Sufi. And this is the podcast for real conversations about the future of the waste industry and what we can do together to protect the environment and strengthen our local communities. Hey listeners, thanks for joining us for another episode of Beyond the Bin. So today, Shabazz and I get to chat with Kevin Roy, who is general manager of our North Country landfill. And then we also get to chat with Jeremy Labby, who is um, a general manager of Coventry Landfill. It's going to be a really fun conversation because Jeremy and Kevin are just great people. And we get to dive pretty deep into the evolution of landfills and where they're going in the future. Yeah, Jeremy and Kevin have so many years of combined experience in this industry, and they've got some really great ideas about you know where landfills are going and and actually have already instituted some really mm-hmm. novel projects at the landfills that yeah. they currently are are in charge of and that they operate. Awesome. Well, let's get right into the conversation with them. Hey Kevin and Jeremy, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having us. I think we want to start off with the evolution of landfills and where they started and where they are today? The evolution of a landfill really, really began uh, with the RECRA uh, in in the subtitle D section of RECRA, uh, which we all knew we had to begin to start protecting our resources. Uh, And the subtitle D regulations require um, a lined landfill, a double-lined landfill, um, so we were able to eliminate all these town dumps and all these really uh, bad practices of just placing waste in the ground, uh, which were impacting our groundwater and our surface water. So, uh, and from that, uh, the cost of this technology really uh, revolutionized the idea of a small town dump into these more regional facilities. Um, so these facilities became larger to be able to afford the technologies. Um, so we're, we're, we moved into those uh, regional facilities, and we're talking 20, 30, 25, 30 years ago. We're now into that phase where these these facilities that were sited and turned into regional facilities are now uh, becoming coming full or reaching capacity. So, um, but these modern facilities have the technologies that have proven themselves out. What's interesting is all those things were really to protect the groundwater. Uh, we didn't do a lot early on in these facilities to protect the air and the emissions from these facilities. Now we have uh, Title V air permits that are requiring us to monitor and control the emissions from these facilities. So now we have protection from both groundwater and air, uh, which now moves these modern facilities into potential um, potential green projects or um, green energy projects because we got the infrastructure to collect the gas and then destruct the gas. Yeah, and RICRO was not just developed for landfills, you know, or for waste disposal. It was a, you know, massive sweeping legislation when people started realizing that we've got to have limits on what we throw in the water, what we throw away, what we do with the air. And so this was kind of the start of the evolution of of, uh, environmental um, science that really brought us to the point where we're watching what we're doing much more carefully. So um, the landfills got swept in, you know, into that. I think Kevin, you did a great job, and I'll add to that that I mean, you talked to a lot of old timers, um, and they remember 
kind of fond memories back on a Saturday where they go into your local town dump and they'd shoot rats or light the thing on fire before they left or pick stuff and find all kinds of cool things. And, and that was the history, right? So even when Kevin and I deal with a lot of opponents, they still have that vision in their mind that this was an old gravel pit somewhere next to a river and we're just throwing trash into it. And that couldn't be further mm-hmm. from the truth. Uh, Kevin hit the nail on the head where um, these landfills are, are highly regulated and they're lined from the bottom up. You know, that was the first step in the process. And then we realized that these things break down, they decompose. There's bacteria in there that make similar to how natural gas is made from the breakdown of organic matter in the ground. They do the same thing in the, the as people call it, the waste pile, but we call it in the landfill. Uh, and they make a, 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 sort, a resource that we can actually collect. It can become an air emission problem. But if we solve that problem, we can also create a resource. Uh, and we are starting to do that. And we have been doing that for many years at, at our landfills, and, and it's continuing to grow. Um, we're very excited about that. But we've come full circle a long way. It's very expensive to build. You can't have, I mean, in, in Maine, where I grew up, there was hundreds, you know, like four to 500 of these local town dumps everywhere. Uh, New Hampshire had hundreds. Vermont had hundreds. Uh, and, and they were very bad for the environment, you know, and, and uh, we've come full circle to the point where we have one, two, three facilities in each state that manage all the material. Uh, and the only way to make them survive is to make them big because they're so energy intensive and uh, construction intensive and capital intensive. I think that brings us to to the, to the you know, when, as we talk about the evolution, it brings us to, you know, what does the future of landfills look like? And, and I guess, you know, we're, we've talked a lot about sort of the current, um, I mean, what's the current and the modern look and, and what's that, what's the future look like um, when we talk about, you know, disposal? I, I would say, um, you know, we're still visioning the future of these facilities. I think the important thing we should note is that um, our encouragement, our admonition to those who are listening is not to throw everything away because we can generate electricity from it or, or create energy out of it. It's to be very, very careful that what we throw away is stuff that's end of life, that we don't have a better use for. Uh, these landfills are, are not designed to be a catch-all, uh, or they should they be. We should uh, be looking for ways to cannibalize these sites so that we can find better and higher uses. That being said, uh, we've been able to vision a way where these sites become more valuable from the environmental standpoint that we can actually uh, create some uh, revenue and some environmental benefit off the back end of these facilities. Now, Kevin hit the nail on the head when he said these facilities are running out of space and they, and they are. And, and uh, there's a large contingent of people who just want to throw stuff away, but don't want to know where it goes. Um, you know, there was a, a great saying in the company that uh, one of the engineers uh, from the Eastern region comes up with is everybody wants you to pick their trash up and nobody wants you to put it down again. And that's kind of where we're at, right, is is um, we have to understand that these are necessary facilities. They're a foundation of a solid waste management system is a disposal facility because we can take if a recycling facility goes down, we could take it. Um, but it, the vice versa doesn't exist. Right. There's there's materials that just can't go anywhere else but to us. So the future, in my mind, is how do we create more uh, environmental benefit from it? How do we reduce what we put in there? That's recyclable material. That's important. How do we vision these sites so they can last for another 20 or 30 years so that we can permit them and have the community relations where people are excited about or, or at least um, are comfortable with having these in their backyard because we can sh- show them how good they are from an environmental standpoint. And then when it's all said and done and we close these facilities out, how do we create some sort of green space or some sort of uh, community benefit uh, from the closed site? That is really exciting to think about. I, I think... You know, what are the things that allow you to do that? What are the partnerships that allow you to make the most of the benefits of landfills? So 
Yeah, you're, we're, we're constantly looking for those types of benefits and, and obviously those those partnerships. Uh, again, when you have the infrastructure in place now and you're collecting that resource, um, yeah, flaring it is just it's just not the final end. So uh, destructive that gas is not the final end. So partnerships with electrical companies, co-ops, um, partnerships with um, educational institutions such as elementary school, high school, potential college um, and industry, right? I think that's the most important step um, to reduce what we're putting in the facilities. At, at the end of the day, there's always going to be a waste that's going to need to be landfilled or disposed of in some way, shape, or form. But these assets, as they reach capacity, um, we, we realize that we just can't continue to have that volume of material, as, as Jeremy also mentioned, uh, cannibalizing ourselves, right? Um, taking those things out of the waste stream, finding better fiscal uses, or, or stop creating materials that need to be re uh, landfilled and taking up this valuable airspace and this, this resource. But once you have it at the facility and once you're creating that gas, uh, you're creating a green space. You were looking for those partnerships, and I think Casella is doing that in, in, in various sites, various um, various divisions. Could you kind of talk about the things that you do currently in order to educate the community and kind of bring some awareness around landfills and that they aren't this big, bad pile of trash? Here we here at North Country, we do have a little greenhouse. Uh, we do pull off the geothermal and we partnered with the elementary school um, to help educate the kids to show that this could be a renew renewable resource. Um, they grow all their, uh, they start all their vegetables for the community. They start all their flowers for the around the school. And it's just a, it's just a way to actually have a hands-on approach to um, renewable, a renewable part of our industry. Yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, our site here in Vermont, in addition to, uh, it's a great idea with the greenhouse, and we're looking to do the same thing and mimic that kind of uh, geothermally heated greenhouse from um, the, the waste decomposition and the heat that comes in the landfill, as well as we currently have a gas energy facility uh, in cooperation with uh, a co-op, Washington Electric Co-op, that serves basically the Montpelier area of Vermont, and they make almost 8 megawatts of power 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. 365 days a year. I mean, obviously there's downtime for maintenance, but that's uh, power for thousands of homes, you know, up to 7,000 homes um, with the energy that comes from this site. And we also have excess energy that we're looking to potentially utilize. In addition to that, we do have some green space projects we're working on. We have a community garden that we started um, that actually is is beside the landfill that has a space that normally would go unused. Um, and it's got fruits and, and other flowers and things that, uh, um, the community can come on for free and, and pick apples or raspberries or blueberries or whatever. Uh, we also have bees there we're starting, so we're hoping that's going to become an educational piece. Uh, but there's, there's, you know, we love for stakeholders and, and people, we love it when they come to us with with crazy ideas, right? I mean, if, if you can get the community engaged where they're thinking the same way as you is, hey, this is an energy, this is a resource, this is something that we can utilize to benefit the community. What if we do this? What if we do that? We love those ideas. Um, you know, the other thing that's super important with these facilities is community engagement in the, in the form of building relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, we have open houses where people can come and see the site, right? And it's not just the kids are super important, but we want their parents to be brought along. Like even if the kids have to tow their parents along, you know, <laughs> because they, they get to see what happens and, and they get a little bit excited about, wow, this is not the old dump that I used to think of it, it was. This is a lot more advanced than I ever anticipated. 
Um, and then also those one-on-one -on -one relationships with key stakeholders are, are very, very important because if there's any message we can convey today, it's that this is critical infrastructure for us and our society and how we function. We can't pretend they don't exist uh, or pretend we don't create waste. We have to face the reality that uh, there is material that needs a, a spot to live and, and it, you can't burn it all and, and it magically disappears. Even if you have an incinerator, you have waste that needs to go into a landfill or some other technology. And the question is, will you be a part of it that helps us to understand or, or, or helps to understand yourself and helps us to manage this better and make it more of a resource for the community? And, and those are the people we like to engage, those who want to have that constructive conversation about how we make this site beneficial for the entire community, how we make this site better for the state, how we make this site better for the environment for our future. Not just, hey, let's not have one of these and pretend nothing happens and doesn't exist. It's, it's part of our society. It needs to be here. Uh, and let's make sure it's the best it can be. Yeah, that's such a great point, Jeremy. And I think the whole point of um, educating the community and just having transparency and having those back and forth conversations is is so important to reach our goals and shift people's thinking. And I think another thing that I just want to mention here is like, I know before I started working at Casella, I had no idea where my trash went. Like I literally put it in my toter and I didn't, or my container. And I didn't, I didn't think about it. I was just like, Oh, cool. It's gone. Great. I don't have to worry about it anymore. But like I started working at Casella. I had no idea. Like the first time I went to a landfill, I was completely mind blown with the complexity of what happens at a landfill and how safe everything is. I didn't, I mean, I got to, I had the privilege of like being able to walk on the liner system like and see the different layers it's not just like a thin little liner it's like a huge it's it's big <laughs> it's complex and it's safe so it was just really eye-opening for me to be able to experience that I think it's really great what both of you are doing at your sites and I think it's gonna be really fun to see what happens over the next few years and how these sites continue to evolve into ecological energy efficient spaces so yeah I yeah. think to to hit on that last point that you mentioned, Abby, I know when when I had gone up to visit um, North Country, Kevin, um, the the Bethlehem site, I was just blown away by the uh, by the you know the way that you're harvesting the heat from the landfill, you're heating a mechanic shop, you got the greenhouse there, which you spoke about. I mean, to me, that was just so freaking cool. It was sort of like <laughs> it was like Mad Max or something, you know. It's like kind of like a cyberpunk, like futuristic sort of movie. And so for me, I was just like, oh, this is this is really cool to be able to take that geothermal energy from the landfill. That's, you know, it's being produced in more or less real time um, to be able to, to do something valuable. Right. And I know, you know, people are growing vegetables there and able to bring vegetables home like from the site. I think those are some of the coolest things that that are going on at some of our landfills are, are these cool projects that are, you know, it's. It's not just about here's where stuff goes to die, but it's actually like here's a place where things are coming and living and growing, right? Things are being like birthed out of um, what we think of decay. I, I will, I, and Kevin probably will echo this, but I don't know how many people we've brought on tours who had a, a misconception of what landfills were. And we get done the tour and they're like, this place is cool. I'm a big <laughs> yeah. fan now. You know, I mean, or, yeah. or the statements that come out to that regard where, you know, they, they're now advocates for our site which is really cool because people don't understand what goes on behind the gate uh, and the second thing is I, I like the way Casella gives us freedom to be competitive amongst ourselves so 
there's always a little friendly rivalry between Kevin, myself, and Lane, <laughs> and some of the other GMs on who can have the best site or the best uh, idea on a new site, and that's good, right? That fosters innovation. That fosters us to, to get better. Like Kevin's site looks better than mine right now. He's got the best looking site in the company, and that you know, as a whole, that that <laughs> makes it competitive. That we want to have a better site. So as we foster that within the company, that that little friendly rivalry actually helps us to be better every day too. To your point, Jeremy, these these aren't going away anytime soon. So uh, let's harvest uh, those opportunities. I was always jealous of these every facility that has the gas energy plant and create electricity here in North Country. We are so remote. We haven't been able to do that. We've been we've been, as I said, we collect the gas and flare it off. Um, but we do have um, through a, a series of permitting efforts, we do have the we now have a project that will now collect that gas clean that gas up and create RNG, as we said, and the new technology is the ability to truck that product after you create it because there's, there's not even a pipeline for us to tap into. So we'll be able to create that product and that will go into a pipeline or it could go into a fueling station uh, in the equivalent of six, 60,000 homes. Um, we'll be have the, that energy for 60,000 homes of heating, heating an element. So you know, you're correct, Jeremy, the competition is good and it's just amongst us managers. It's not necessarily in the industry, but you can you can find these success stories throughout the industry. There are there are a lot of companies doing great things with with these facilities and they are definitely evolving. Jeremy, can you kind of talk a little bit about the history of landfills versus incineration and where we are today? Sure, I'd love to. Over the last 40 years, landfills have developed tremendously and, and efficiencies of gas collection and um, how we place waste and how we manage uh, a site and, and uh, science behind it's really improved. And so uh, historically incinerators were uh, something that was a little looked a little higher up on the waste hierarchy than landfills because um, the energy generation that comes from burning trash uh, was something that uh, was sought after. Today, the EPA has kind of changed their stance on uh, what landfills look like compared to incinerators, uh, specifically landfills with energy recovery. So historically, something called the waste hierarchy, which is uh, an order of how we should be looking at waste, uh, used to say that first it was reduce, reuse, then recycle, um, and then, you know, in compost, and then waste to energy, and then finally landfills. Well, today, uh, the EPA has changed that stance and basically says the first thing is, as always, we should be doing is reducing and reusing. And then whatever we have left over, we should be recycling and composting as much as we possibly can. But after that, instead of having um, waste energy facilities and then landfills, it actually has energy recovery, which is either a landfill with energy recovery or an incinerator. Uh, and then it has finally disposal as an option. So uh, that's changed a lot. And, and some of the statistics are really interesting. We're starting to do some research on greenhouse gas emissions from uh, incinerators versus landfills. Uh, and landfills that have energy recovery in the form of either electrical generation or renewable natural gas generation uh, actually have substantially lower lifetime greenhouse gas emissions per ton of waste placed in them than the standard incinerators uh, that were developed you know, 20, 30 years ago. There hasn't been a lot of new incinerators put in, in play in the last five or 10 years or even 20 years for that matter. And so uh, the stance on which one's better for the environment is kind of shifting a little bit. And uh, the other reminder is that incinerators handle one type of trash, and that's municipal solid waste, household trash. Whereas landfills handle contaminated soils, we handle household trash, we handle ash, we handle special waste, we handle all kinds of different materials, sludges uh, that can't always be managed 
by incinerators. So I, I guess our stance is always the base to a great solid waste hierarchy is a landfill. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot more cost effective uh, and it's a lot more flexible and it's always there for you. And even incinerators need landfills. Um, and then from there, we should be focusing much further up on the spectrum than whether an incinerator is better than a landfill or landfill is better than an incinerator. We should be looking at, okay, how can we keep material out of both of these facilities? Because if we recycle enough, if we compost enough, and if we reduce and reuse enough, then we will need these facilities much less, making the financial proposition of incinerators much less desirable. So I guess I'll segue us here. We like to end all of our podcasts with like one tip that we can give our listeners, like something tangible that they can do at home to make a difference. Jeremy, Kevin, do both of you have something you'd like to give our listeners that they can do? Um, again, uh, personal responsibility. Look, look When you purchase, think about that. When you walk around the grocery store, do you want to buy it that cut up watermelon or do you want to buy a watermelon and cut it up yourself? I mean, those simple steps um, are really where what we're talking about as a, as a society. We need to um, step away from the convenience of things um, and really understand everything we do creates creates something in the waste stream. So it's personal responsibility. Uh, that's where it has to start. We have to go upstream. Uh, we just can't continue to just throw things to, to curb, as as was mentioned earlier by Abby. And it's, I, I have people call it their magic bucket. They just stick it to the <laughs> curb and it just magically disappears. Well, that's just not the way it works. And it has to go somewhere. And so you really got to become conscious, personally conscious of what you're creating every day. And that's what that's where I think we'll start. We'll start gaining on um, protecting these assets and changing and changing how we how we manage our waste. Yeah, I I, uh, I echo that sentiment, and I'll I'll add you know a little personal story. I I grew up in a house that didn't recycle. I mean, I would lived in an area where you had these little bins with faces on them, and you could put newspapers and plastic bottles in them. I don't know if anybody else ever had those things. That's all you could recycle: is magazines, newspapers, and plastic and, and milk cartons. And then you'd obviously redemption of bottles. Uh, and then I got into this industry and uh, living in a rather large area in a, in a condo association. And I said, geez, you know, I'm throwing all this stuff away. I should be recycling this as a recycling program here. I was the only person, and I was working in a landfill, the only person in 15 condos that was actually recycling. So, you know, that just shows me that there's there's a lack of understanding or a little bit of a lack of motivation. So the admonition on our our part is, yes, we work in the landfill business, but we want you to be responsible with your materials. So take some initiative, uh, do some research, find out what you're, you're buying that you could either change your habits on or that you can clean out and recycle or reuse. Uh, we always want to go to a place where we're using less resources. And that, that's not just from a, a sustainability in the landfill. That's an environmental sustainability perspective, that if we're mm-hmm. throwing stuff away, we have to create these new resources over and over and over again. And that becomes very energy intensive, uh, and it's not great for the environment. The other thing, too, is, is have some fun uh, with some of this stuff with your family and, and your kids. Make it a challenge. Uh, come for a tour. We're really excited about, obviously, in, in the light of COVID, we're, you know, it's a little difficult. But when all this is, is all said and done, we're looking forward to getting back to giving people tours and, and helping to make them excited about what they do with their materials and help them to understand that even the mix of COVID, we never changed our operation. We couldn't because we were that critical. Uh, and right. so we remain critical no matter what happens. And we were, we're here for you no matter what happens. And our job is to try to take care of your materials so you don't even know we exist, right? Our job is to do it in a way uh, that is environmentally beneficial to you, to my family, to everybody's family as possible. 
And also our job is to help you to understand where we're at and what we're doing and engage you and see if there's ways we can do it better. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Kevin. That was Those were some really great points to end on. We really appreciate you coming on here today and having this conversation with us. I, we, Shabazz and I were both very excited to kind of dive into this topic because um, I just don't feel like enough people out there know about landfills and what they actually are. So thank you for enlightening us and our listeners. Anytime. So that was fun. Yeah, I was, yeah, I always enjoy talking about the the work that's going on at the different landfills. I think yeah. I have a, I have a particular affinity for the, the landfill that Kevin runs up in New mm-hmm. Hampshire. It's got a special place in my heart. I think, I think it might've been, it's the, maybe the second landfill that I visited when I started at the company. Yeah. Um, and it's just really cool you know, it was really cool when I first went up there and saw um, the way in which Kevin's piped, you know, heat off of the landfill to a mechanic shop. And then from the mechanic shop, piping that heat to a greenhouse. To me, that was always just like, wow, the ways in which the ingenuity there is just so cool. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I said to Kevin is, it's not this place where things go to die. That's actually from the decay they're they're bringing life they're keeping people warm while they're working on their their vehicles and their mm-hmm. equipment up there um they're growing food it's so cool so yeah. i i always love talking about the the possibilities that can come out of landfill totally yeah and i mean i think also any conversation with Jeremy and Kevin is going to be a great one because they just they're so passionate about what they do and they're just great people um so it was just it was fun talking to them and I think some of the tips that they gave people to kind of take were really valuable pieces of information. So I think we just have to think of landfills as like, it, it is our last option. Like we, when we're making decisions at home, we should think like recycling, composting, and then the all of the stuff that can't go into those two segments, then that stuff goes to landfill. So landfill is like your last option. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's the that's the special thing about working, uh, you know, in an integrated waste management company mm-hmm. that we that we're working through that uh, hierarchy, if you will, right? right. The, the hierarchy of of waste and recycling and reuse and right. We talk about reduce, reuse, recycle. We're we're big proponents of that, and so I think you know you hit the nail on the head is, is that you know being the sort of company that we are that. We're in the position of being able to be at all levels of that hierarchy. We're really promoting uh, that, you know, for us at home, we need to be thinking about the reduce part first, Mm -hmm. right? And the reuse. Right. And then after you get through reuse and you get through repair and you get through all those R's, you can look at all these different R's of of sort of waste, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, You eventually get down to to disposal. Right. um, but there's so much that's happening before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very valuable point. Um, so yeah, no, this was really fun. And um, stay tuned for our next episode that should come out soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. <laughs>